Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Hope Community Church. So glad that you're here in person. Whether you're online, welcome into the house here as we meet with our God and we talk about life, right? And in this series, we're talking about how do you live as young families and how do you take back the families these days? So whether you have had young kids at home at one time, I think all of us could probably relate to that video, or you have young kids at home like right now, you can relate to this dude-dad video. Kids bring a whole new element to marriage. I like what Ray Romano said about having kids. Having children is like living in a frat house. You know, nobody sleeps, everything's broken, and there's a lot of throwing up going on, right? I mean, that's just like the reality for many years when you have kids. And the reality of this video and the reality of that statement is when kids show up in a marriage, a marriage changes from being a marriage to now being a family, right? And oftentimes, the family or the kids come first and marriage takes the back seat. Why? Well, you have to pay attention to your kids, right? And the government calls them dependents. And they are dependent on us as parents. So my challenge to the young couples in our congregation and to those of you who have kids who are young with families is to keep your marriage before the kids. To keep your marriage before the kids, right? Why is that? Well, when a marriage is strong, a family can thrive. But the reverse is also true. A marriage that is weak can cause a whole entire family to suffer. I mean, that's just the reality. So the gift of a healthy marriage matters because it's a powerful source of love, of security, of joy, of strength. And its impact spreads farther than just the man and the woman in the marriage. It extends out to the children in the marriage as well. I mean, Google this topic. There's thousands of articles that talk about and research that strong marriages are the healthiest thing that you can give to your kids. A strong marriage is the healthiest, greatest gift that you can give to your kids. You know, I have visited in my office here many times with couples who fell in love and then had kids and then fell out of love. Because they stopped dating one another. And they hadn't gone on a date or have alone time for literally like 10 plus years. Literally. Because the kids became number one. Now listen. No guy got down on one knee and proposed to his girlfriend saying, I want to birth kids with you. I want to share a mortgage with you. I want to do your dishes at night, honey. And I want to share the yard work with you. I want to pay interest on our student loans together. Will you marry me? I mean, no guy says that, right? No. 
He asks the girl to marry him because they have spent meaningful and great times together dating, and they want to continue to do that for a lifetime, right? There's no mention of kids or mortgage or cutting the lawn or doing dishes or sharing student loans in the proposal. (laughs) I guarantee it at all. But that's so often where it ends up when kids show up on the scene. So again, my emphasis here today is to encourage you to keep your marriage before your kids. And it's biblical. I mean, the Bible doesn't say specifically, hey, keep your marriage before your kids. But in how God created marriage, it's pretty obvious the order that our relationships should be in. So I want to challenge the husbands in the room. And if you're parents and you have younger kids that are young parents in that, share this information with them. But I want to challenge the husbands in the crowd, the room today, to keep your marriage first. Why? Well, number one on your outline, take notes. Lord of your life. The Lord God is the Lord of your wife. He gave your wife to you. He gave you a wife to be in your life. It's straight up right away in Genesis chapter 2:18 when God created the heavens and the earth and he created us in his image. It said the Lord God said it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So when Adam was alone, God didn't make for him 10 friends, nor did he make for him 10 kids. (laughs) He made for him one wife, one wife. And so our wives were made for us and us for them. In Genesis 2, 22, 24, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken from and out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, the Hebrew word for cleave literally means glue. I mean, you leave your parents and you are to glue up with your wife, men. It doesn't say that we are going to glue to our kids, that we're going to cleave to our kids. Although I guarantee and you know the fact that sometimes you just feel like your kids are glued to you. You're like, gee, kids can't get rid of them, you know, whatever, right? They're always right there, right? But God's bigger picture for us is that We are to be in relationship with God, number one. And then secondly, we are to be in relationship with one another, our spouse. That is the picture of what God desires for us. And now, because the Lord has given us our wives, men, secondly, we are called then to love our wife. In Proverbs 5.18, this simple little phrase, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. 
It doesn't say in there, rejoice in your young wife, because young wives never remain young. Just like us guys never remain young either. We get older and older, right? Things change. But remember your marriage. Remember that she said yes to you. I do to you. And the passing years have no power to change that tender reality. She is still the girl that gave herself to you years ago on that altar. She is still the girl that put her trust in you and allowed you to put your arms around her. And so remember the wife of your youth and rejoice in that commitment, that relationship and the different seasons of marriage and parenting that you have walked through together. And all that she has brought and invested in the relationship and all that you have brought and invested into the relationship. Rejoice in it. It's huge. I love the picture we get from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 through 33. The Apostle Paul asserted, he's describing Jesus' relationship to the church, but he's using it in a marriage illustration. And in verse 21, he says this of a man and woman in relationship and marriage. He said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So in the marriage relationship of husband and wife, we are called to submit to one another. That word submit means to respect and to honor one another to champion one another, right? Then he goes on in verse 22 and says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, right? And a lot of women don't like that phrase, submit, and that, and they think that it has to do with, well, I got to just come under and do whatever he says, whatever he says, right? But it really means to respect and to honor, to champion your husband. But then it goes on and talks about the husband's role, The wife is called to submit to your husband, but the husband is called to die for the wife. 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus died on the cross for the church, for us. Men, God is calling you to die for your wife, which means die to yourself and serve your wife. And I don't know of a wife that's unwilling to submit to a husband that is always dying for her, always looking out for her interests, always looking to serve her, to make sure that her needs are met, always championing her, encouraging her in life. It says, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. You're doing yourself a great service, husbands, as you love your wives, as you honor them, serve them, care for their needs. Speak beautiful words over their life, right? And last, verse 33. Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And so we get this picture of relationship and what it looks like. And God did not choose to add kids into his love for the church and describing it. No, he picked the marriage relationship. Why? Because next to our relationship with God, that relationship he created, and it's key, and it comes before the kids. 
And so loving your spouse provides security for your kids in an insecure world. And it models for them how they are to be treated by another boy or by another girl or by another man or by another woman. You are modeling how they are to be treated. And so how I love my wife is modeling how I want my four girls to be loved by other men. And they pick that up. You know, when we were young in marriage and that, we dated. We continued to date. And sometimes our kids were like, oh, you guys get to go out and all that. That's no fair and all that kind of stuff. But underneath that, they loved the idea that we were going out. Why? Because it showed them we loved one another. And we would like kiss in front of them and like, and they'd be like, gross, gross, you know, all that kind of stuff. But underneath it confirmed to them, my parents love one another. And the security that it brought them, the joy that it brought them, because they were with classmates in school and that, where parents were divided, where parents were divorced. They could sense the stress, whether they were in elementary school, junior high, or high school, they could sense the stress of their peers because of what was going on at home. And they were in a home where there was security, And I remember at times when my wife, Sharon, and I, we would get into it because we're normal. We're couples, right? And we'd argue and raise the voice and all that stuff. And you could literally see the uncomfortableness and the fear in our kids. Of like, are you okay? Are you okay? Do you love one another? That kind of stuff. So when we reflect love in our marriage as spouses and we take time to date one another, it provides security. It provides a model for our kids I remember years ago, we were down in Naples, Florida on vacation, and uh, it was my, happened to be my wife's birthday over that time. And so I called up a caterer, and we were staying right across from the Gulf, right across the street from the Gulf at the time. I called up a caterer, and I said, hey, can I pay you to go and set up on the beach a, a, a nice table? tablecloths and some wine glasses and all that kind of stuff because it's my wife's birthday and I want to have a party on the beach for her without her knowing it. And I got a picture up here. And, and so I paid them and convinced them, please, yes, it's true. Just go down, set it up. And earlier that day we were shopping and my wife had looked at this white dress and she's like, I said, you should get it at your birthday. She said, nah, it's too expensive. I don't need it, blah, 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 blah. Well, I ran back to the store while she was doing something else bought the dress, and then later that night, we said, hey, you know, we're all going to dress up, go down to the beach for your birthday and that. I ordered out food, and we walked down all dressed up, and she saw the table there and stuff, and we all had dinner on the beach together for her birthday. And uh, the next slide, our kids just, you know, our four daughters, they're having a good time. And then the last slide, my wife and I, that night, her white dress and that kind of thing. But this is what I'll remember of that night. My oldest daughter coming up to me and saying, Dad, thank you for loving Mom so much. They noticed. They noticed that Dad paid a caterer to set up on the beach, ran to the store to buy the dress, ordered out the food. Why? so that we could love on mom. And it makes a difference. 
and it provides security. And it shows them how they should be loved by a man. And it's so critical. And so men, God gave you your wife. So love your wife well. Because as you love your wife, in essence, you're loving your kids. Okay? And then thirdly, when you recognize the Lord has given you your wife and you love your wife, then thirdly, you leave a legacy with your wife. And what's your legacy? It's your kids. It's your grandkids. It's not the car. It's not the lake home. But it is your children that will go on from one generation to another. I love what it says in the Ten Commandments where God calls out and he says, listen, parents, follow me, worship me, don't worship false gods, don't reject me. Because this is what he says. If you reject me, he says, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Just to three or four generations back. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. So we as parents, father and mothers, we love God, seek his commands, do what is right, love one another, serve one another. Men, as we die for our wives, God says that he will bless our generations, our legacy for a thousand generations when we take our last breath. It will go on. Psalm 145, 3, 4 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. And in your marriage relationship, as you seek God, continue to speak over your children of what God has done and is doing in your relationship. And they will see this, and they will desire to model this and live this out. Because in reality, I mean, 10 generations from now, you may have an, a, a thousand little Jimmies and Janes running around this county. And that literally is your legacy. How are they living? How are they living? And who are they living for? Are they living for Jesus? And are they loving their spouse? And in loving their spouse, they're loving their kids. Why? Because great, great, great grandpa and grandma lived this way. And it's been passed on from one generation to another. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Men in the house, the Lord gave you your wife and so love the wife of your youth. And in doing that, leave a legacy with your children that will go from one generation to another generation to another generation. And it is the best gift that you can pass off. Now, when it comes to parenting... You know, we read about parenting. We talk to other people about parenting. Like, what are you doing with this? What are you doing with that? What are you doing with this? But rarely do we read, honestly, about marriage. 
Rarely do we pay attention to our marriage, or rarely do men get together over coffee or a good beer or whatever it might be and talk about marriage. How's your marriage going? How are you loving your wife? Yeah, yeah, you should apply this, you should do that. No, we're talking guns, we're talking bow hunting, we're, you know, whatever, right? But I want to give you some homework here this morning, and I put it on an orange sheet because it is hunting season, and maybe you'll like actually see it, pay attention to it, right? But there's some homework here, and I, I labeled it Marriage Before Kids Homework Sheet, right? And uh, I'm going to give this to you on the way out. You can grab it. But these are some tools for marriage, right? And this marriage sheet here, the first part of it has the 12 aspects of a marriage, whether it's communication, conflict resolution, sexual expectations, role relationships, and all that. All I want you to do is circle three strength areas in your marriage and three growth areas in your marriage, and I want you to talk about it as a couple, right? After that, it says, here's a wish list. I want you to write down three things you want your spouse to do. You know, oftentimes we think that our spouse should just know what we want. Well, you should know what I want. You mean, I'm like, I can't read your mind. I mean, I, I've had couples 30 years into marriage come into my office and do this wish list. And the, the guy's like, I never knew you wanted that. Well, you should have known. We've been married 30 years. Women, we do not know. We can't read minds. So write down, what are the three things? If, if your husband did these three things, it would take your relationship from a 60 to an 80 overnight, whatever it is. These three things. Pick up your socks. What, be home on time. Whatever it is, write the three things down and then talk about it. It's obvious, right? Hey, do these three things. Boy, your love in, my, in our marriage is going to go through the roof, right? Second page. Two verses, 1 Corinthians 13, Colossians 3. When I have a hard time loving my wife or my kids or whatever, I read these two verses every day until I get it right. It's just a description of what love looks like. Go through that and see where you're good and where you're not, right? And then the last one is, what's the love language in your relationship? You have a love language guy, the wife has a love language. Words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, physical touch, Right? You need that in your relationship. And what is your love language? Serve them in their love language. But how often? When was the last time you actually talked about your marriage or did anything to learn more about what it looks like? Probably not at all. Honestly, not at all. And so I'm challenging you in this. I'm also challenging you to do date nights, whether you have One kid, 10 kids, whatever. Do date nights. Figure it out. Hire a kid sitter in the neighborhood to watch your kids, even if it's for 15 minutes to walk around the block. Just tell them, hey, keep our kids alive for 15 minutes. I will be home. You know, and you get 15 minutes alone where you can walk around the block and at least talk a little bit, right? Trade childcare. When our kids were younger and our friends had kids young, we traded childcare. So every other week we would watch their kids and then the next week they'd drop them at our house and we'd watch, you know, they'd watch our kids or whatever. I mean, that you just trade off childcare so that you can have a date night. Get to know grandparents that are surrogate grandparents in the church. Maybe, uh, 
you know, you don't have any grandparents around, get to know grandparents in the church here. Grandparents in the church, maybe your grandkids are grown or they're way far away and you would love to have some little kids running around your house. Get to know some of the young families here and just say, hey, you need a break? We'll take them for a couple hours so you can take a walk or do whatever, you know, and get to know one another and use it that way. Whatever it might be. Sometimes my wife and I would just rendezvous during the day when our kids were in school. And we'd meet up for lunch quick or a 15-minute coffee. Whatever it is, be creative. And so, you know, do date nights, do some homework, and then last, do life together in a group. Do life in a group. So we have small groups that are going to be starting in a couple weeks. Get in a group with other couples who are going through what you're going through so you can uphold one another, spur one another on to love and good deeds, and do life and marriage together. And so... My challenge to you this morning is to keep your marriage before your kids. And if you win at marriage, your kids are going to win in life. And so a, a healthy, godly marriage is important for healthy, godly kids. So men, the Lord gave you your wife. The Lord has called you to love your wife, to die for her. And in doing so, You will leave a legacy with your kids that will go on and on and on. 